if the if you want to do the innovation like I'm talking about, disruptive stuff that could radically transform your business, there's a lot of stuff that's going to go wrong. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to a bonus Q&A edition of Manufacturing Happy Hour. This is actually a continuation of our most recent full-length episode where we were chatting with Chuck Swoboda, the former CEO of Cree Inc. and the host of Innovators on Tap, another leadership and tech-centric podcast with a beer twist. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I'd highly recommend you go back and check that out. We recorded it live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at MKE Brewing. And in this quick episode, we're going to be taking the questions that the audience had following our conversation. We'll touch on topics like how to start a video series, how to pitch ideas to management, and how to innovate within a large organization. I think you'll like this short 20-ish minute episode. If you do, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review for this podcast on iTunes. You can do that by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. Your feedback in those reviews is much appreciated. With that, let's not waste any time heading back to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Grab a beer and let's go hang out and take your questions with Chuck Swoboda at Milwaukee Brewing Company. So I could keep asking you questions, but I think we're at the time we should let the audience ask us some questions if they have any. Absolutely. So we are going to open things up to Q&A at this point. If there's anything that you wish Chuck would have asked me or that you wish I would have asked Chuck, now is your opportunity. Uh, there we go. We got someone ready. All right, Kyle, you got a mic there? Well, there we go. Microphone works. Okay. So this can be for either one of you, but I figured this might help sort of prime the pump a little bit to get things going. But so Chris, you were an inspiration for me to do more LinkedIn video content and it's really... It's been a tremendous boon for myself over the past couple of years, so thank you for that. For other folks that might be looking to get into doing something like that, what advice would you have to give them to just get that first video out there and not necessarily overthink it or you know get that get rid of the head trash for it, if you know what I mean? That's a great question. So in terms of getting over that hump, whether it's you know whatever is stopping you from creating a video and putting that content out, what I usually say is, I, I think there, there are two things. Part of it comes down to courage and wondering what other people are going to think about you. What I would tell any one of those people is that the majority, if not everyone, are going to be excited to see you put yourself out there, especially if you're being genuine to who you are. The second thing is, for that person, you have all the tools you need to do that today. Part of that first part was emotional. This part is tactical because I hear a lot of people say, oh, I'll start that when I have this camera or I'll start that when I'm at this point in my career. An iPhone, a smartphone, whatever it is, can do everything you need to do to make a great piece of content. If you think about it, like a video camera 15 years ago couldn't touch an iPhone today. 
or a smartphone in general. So I would say making sure you're taking care of both that like tactical aspect, you have what you need to get started, and two, know that if you put that out there and you're being genuine to who you are and you have a message and a call to action that goes with that, put it out there because almost everyone, if not everyone, is going to be more excited to see you do that than anyone that would come along and criticize. And I'll give you a slightly different perspective. So I spent uh, 16 years as a CEO avoiding everything related to social media. There was nothing positive about running a public company when you get sued all the time to putting any other content out there that you can get sued on. And so I decided to write a book and do a podcast. And someone said, well, what are you going to do on social media? I said, I don't know. And so the podcast, I kind of jumped into it. What I would tell you is I have a, as a, as kind of from the other side of it, the quality of what you do matters. So if you're proud of what you put out there, and you think it adds value, you should do that. I will tell you, I've been criticized by more people than you can ever imagine running a company on the internet and various things. If you want to do stuff that really creates value and you really want to kind of push some limits, there are people that won't like it. As long as you believe you treated the conversation fairly and honestly, you got to look at yourself in the mirror. And if you can do that, then you can keep going. And if you can't, do not put it out there. Because that's the other thing is that if you're looking at going, wow, I'm not sure how I'd feel later, then the answer is delete. Don't do it. It's kind of like the old rule on email, right? Like if you wouldn't say it to someone to their face, don't do it. It's the same thing. So that being said, I think there's, I'm new, I'm newer to this than he is, honestly. But uh, I, I would, I would tell you though, that it's a really crowded world. So the quality of what you say adds some value. Like if you got a perspective, great, but don't just talk. Give me a perspective that will matter to somebody. Next question. By the way, just so while we're here, I'll add something. So I shared my perspective this week in an article I wrote where I told people that if they want to be innovative, don't hire someone with the title of chief innovation officer. I thought it was a very clever article. Many people liked it. There were definitely some people that didn't like it. Come to find out some of them have the title of chief innovation officer. <laughs> but I knew that when I wrote it. And so my point to your question is I tried to be honest. I tried to be genuine about not attacking them, but trying to make a point that wasn't about their title. It's, this is why I think it matters. So please go ahead. Uh, being at a, a big company, a lot of innovative ideas are based on um, their monetized value. So how do you push those ideas that are very, that are very hard to monetize? So, yeah, so right, right. So in other words, I think the question is, look, there's a lot of innovative ideas, but everyone wants to judge them on what's their value, right? So how do you push the one that someone thinks doesn't have a lot of value? I'd flip it around. So at Cree, we were really innovative. We had far more ideas than we ever could execute. So my job was basically to figure out which ones are we going to fund and which ones are we not going to fund. And what I would tell people is, look, it's a business. Let's really think about what value it creates. And value can be as revenue or profits, right, which is a typical company thing, or, hey, it's going to have an impact on our business. And I, what I would challenge the innovators with these ideas is be really honest and thoughtful about what is the impact. It is up to you a little bit to think about the impact. So what I meant, inventors like to talk about their idea. Innovators talk about what it does for someone what problem it solves. So just think about it. And it doesn't have to be just dollars, right? You could have a killer innovative idea in a big company that 
simply makes some part of the company more efficient and it's mm-hmm. almost impossible to manage. You can get support for it, but it's you have to put yourself in the perspective of the customer. So think of it this way. I was an, I'm an engineer by training. We both are. Yep. One of the biggest mistakes people make as engineers is we talk about the feature. People buy benefits. And benefits could be revenue and profits, but they could be benefits to productivity in the organization. It could be, hey, this plant, something better will happen over here. We'll make these people's jobs easier. Or, hey, there's this job here that's really tough to get people to do. We can solve that problem a different way. So there's a lot of ways to think about benefits. But if you want to be an innovator, start with the benefits, not the features. Because that's the biggest mistake everyone I ever worked with made. Another question? No one from the Marquette group is going to ask a question. These guys are sitting there going, just give me a beer. Okay, there we go. See, I guilted them into it. So say you're someone who just started their career at one of these big companies who you may or may not have called out just now. (laughs) Uh, And like you said, it's kind of hard to be innovative in that kind of big company where there's shareholders and whatnot to be uh, held accountable to. How do you help and contribute to innovation Yeah, so you work in a big company, and it feels like it's difficult to be innovative there, probably because there's other priorities it's not as valued. And and so I would tell you that you have two choices. So um, one of my uh, partners at uh, the brewery that I own in North Carolina, he used to be an entrepreneur at Cisco. I've heard of the entrepreneur title before. And and, and he made a big pitch, and they actually created and, and honestly, management supported it and led them. So they created kind of an internal way to do this. Look, it's not the same as being a true entrepreneur, but they found boundaries. But the key is it will only work if someone in a leadership position wants it, right? And, and so, look, an organization at the end of the day, You've got to be aligned with what the goals of the organization are. Some that's important. And so you might work for an organization where, honestly, being innovative isn't one of the top three things for them. And if it's not, it it doesn't mean you shouldn't try, but you should also realize it's going to be really difficult. Um, The reason I made my comment earlier about why you shouldn't have a chief innovation officer is it's not that that's not a cool job. If If you want to do the innovation like I'm talking about, disruptive stuff that could radically transform your business, there's a lot of stuff that's gonna go wrong. There's a lot of people's jobs that are gonna be put under pressure. It's gonna create a lot of negative things to go with the positive things. If the CEO and the executives or the head of your division aren't supportive of that, it's not important to them, it will never really work. Because without that support, They're the only ones that can sanction you taking the risk that would be required or sanction the resources. Because basically what you're saying is, we're going to go try something that might not work, or I could work on this thing that I know is going to work and have some value. The person that's ultimately judged by that has got to basically say, that's okay. And if they don't, you can try all you want. But in my study of a lot of companies, it's really tough. So I've got... A quick thought on that, I'm going to call this what I'll call a micro-innovation because I am someone that is not in the leadership level or like the, I would say like the upper echelon of a large company, but I think one thing you can do in your role is micro-innovations that contribute to that. I would say like as someone just getting started in their career, there are ways that you can look at what are the responsibilities of your job and say, if I were to try something new, Would this help me get 
more results. And I think if it's one of those things that if there's a way to relate it back to your job or if you're like maybe to spend a little time doing it on the side, I'm, I'm specifically talking to what I've done with manufacturing happy hour too. Like my job is to sell things. I have a quota. That's what my core business is. But I've used that as a tool to help grow that business. And that was something that I had to spend a little extra time with on my own. But it was ultimately one of those things that I was doing it for what was related to my job. So I think there's a way you can practice innovation on a small scale, regardless of where you are. And then if you see it gain traction, see if there are ways to get others to embrace that innovation as well. I, I, just to, He's exactly right. So he's a sales guy for a well-known global company that does automation controls, right? And he somehow starts video series, and then a podcast to help sell his products. There was no one in management going, hey, Chris, would you try this idea? I think you'd be surprised if you reframe it in a way that you're not giving up what he's supposed to do. He understands his job is to hit his sales number, mm -hmm. but I've got this idea. I think if you, part of it's reframing it in a way that you're not asking him to ignore what you're supposed to do, but you're trying to get permission to do something else. There is a way to find that balance, but it's it is the pressures on you as the innovator to do that work because the organizations will rarely do that on their own. Like it wasn't going to happen if he didn't have the idea. But here's the point. Let's just say it didn't work. What's really the downside? Like that's the one thing I would tell you all. So many of us live with boundary conditions and we're worried about the downside. Most people work in organizations that unless you do something illegal, like really illegal, it's pretty hard to get fired. That means you have the lowest risk to take these chances. And what you'll find is, and as someone who ran a large organization, you love the people that push the limits enough. You, you actually look for you because they're the ones that keep these large organizations fresh and healthy. They know the organization, so they're not afraid of living inside the big company, but they're also not afraid to try it. And I think you have much less risk than you think to push the limits. And if you push the limits in a in a constructive way in your organization and they really reject it, then you just got to ask yourself, maybe it's not the right organization for you, but I think you're going to find the vast majority of them will embrace it more than you think, but you got to be willing to put yourself out there. 100%. Anyone else? You talk about being brutally honest um, in feedback and uh, it seems like in today's world, it's hard to not offend anyone with what you say. And uh, as an engineer, it seems like, they're the more brutally honest people and uh, it's more difficult to talk to management or like user experience when they have an idea and they're more tied to the idea than actually the business being profitable about it. How do you flip that? How do you, I guess as an engineer, um, giving you a professional opinion saying that, no, I think it should be done this way or, or I think it's a bad idea um, without them getting offended because um, it seems like the management or the user uh, experience has more of the, uh, the power to make that change than an engineer does. So you're an engineer and you've got an idea and while you want to be brutally honest, management's kind of in control and they don't, the perception is they don't want to hear it. And look, I, I live there, right? I didn't just work for career. I worked for Hewlett Packard. And the reason I left is I wanted to be in a different environment. Um, look, I think it's a tricky balance. Here's what I would say. Context is far more important than people think. So if you have an idea and you want to share it, how might you share it in a way that someone could hear it better? So, so often we want to just say, look, it's obvious to me. Here's the problem. And as an engineer, engineers are famous. Don't you get it? It's obvious, right? And the answer is, 
No, they don't actually get it. So the question is, how could you reframe it in a way that someone could? And so one of the, my suggestions always to our engineers that got really frustrated was, look, just a little bit of that creative energy. Think about the person. Like, you're really great at solving this hard problem. That person is part of the problem. They're not going to go away. So how would you solve that problem too? And if you start to think about it, you might go, oh, look, that person goes home at night. They've got all the same problems we got. They're worried about their job. How could I frame this in a way that isn't you're wrong, but hey, I disagree, but here's a way I think we can make both of our jobs better. And it's a little more work, but you'll be blown away when you reframe things in their context. And this applies whether you're the manager helping someone, you're, whether you're managing someone or whether you're the person being managed. Reframing context to, so the other person can hear you is the biggest deal. And I think so often we want people to hear us on our terms. Leadership, which is really what we're talking about, is getting someone to hear it on their terms. Anyone else? All right. We are at the 7 o'clock hour. So we know most of you came to drink beer, not to listen to us. <laughs> but uh, I want to just say from my perspective, uh, thank you all for being here. This is really cool. Um, when Chris, well, I heard about his podcast, and I realized we both have a podcast based around beer drinking. Yes. Um, it's a pretty cool idea. We have a very, it, we share it in common. The last thing I just want to do is thank you all for being here and to raise a glass to all of you. So one final cheers. Thanks for being a part of the first ever Innovators on Tap Manufacturing Happy Hour collaboration. Cheers to all of you. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.